1: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan.
0: Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. later will be joined by Abby Barmore as uh, we work our way through kind of the the dog days here um you know right before memorial day weekend uh we've got state track next week and things like that going on locally Uh, but it's going to pick up really really quickly for nebraska Um, and and starting this weekend actually robin um, they're going to have visitors in town every weekend through now till the end of june except memorial day weekend so um, this weekend it all kind of starts um, you're going to have two transfer portal targets in town, uh, Kane Williams and Stephon Wynn from Alabama. Um, what I know right now is I, I do think Nebraska is very interested in Stephon Wynn. I think he's a need. He's a guy you take. He played snaps for Alabama. He wasn't a starter, but he played snaps. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing you know, the 10 snaps a game he gave Alabama are probably a little bit better than the 10 snaps a game Nebraska was getting from some of their guys in that type of role a year ago what would his role be at nebraska that remains to be seen Uh, but i I do think a player like stefan win is a premium and he'll be in lincoln this weekend we'll see where that goes
2: well and just the the position itself is obviously the biggest need one of the biggest needs on the roster and if you can get someone that was recruited to play at alabama i mean i don't care if things didn't work out or he had better players in front of him that, that limited his role, he was good enough to play at Alabama. That means he's certainly good enough to have played at Nebraska. So I I, I mean, he's one of those guys that kind of seems like a no brainer barring any sort of, you know, unknown, um, you know, things that's holding them back for whatever reason. But uh, as it stands, it seems like an ideal piece for what Nebraska was looking for to
0: further bolster that defensive line. And you, you look at Alabama, I mean, the way that program is built, the mo- machine, the model, you're really only there three years because either A, you're going to go pro after three, or B, they're going to move you out after exactly. Three. And and that that's the system that a lot of these places like Alabama and Georgia have. They don't have, you know, fifth-year seniors from – small-town Iowa that they develop and let them kind of go mm-hmm. up. I mean, it's a different model. And, you know, he they, they have guys that are ready to go and move on. So it will be interesting to see how that goes. My question with Kane Williams, he's really not a position of need. So will they see enough from him with limited playing time or he really didn't play at all other than, I think, special teams at Alabama um, to, to make room for him? And I think numbers are an issue. Uh, there's going to have to still be some roster – maintenance (laughs) Mm -hmm. done which was expected even before these names surfaced today they're at 85 but we know that i think they could add anywhere from three to five more players five is very aggressive um i think three is probably the realistic number um, of new additions mainly because the portal robin is so dried up right now i mean Mm -hmm. there's guys in there but there's just not a lot of sure things
2: so how much of the fact that they're looking at a safety do you think has to do with their feelings on the current guys they have and what they saw over the course of spring ball? I know they were high on, on a few guys, um, but does this, does this say anything about how they feel about Miles Farmer or uh, Marquise Buford or any of those guys?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, I think they're very high on Marquis Buford. Um, I think, honestly, though, his best position from the people I talk to in the program is a nickel. Mm-hmm. So when they go like five DBs... True nickel. He yeah. could be a true nickel in that stuff. Um, you know, Miles Farmer kind of is what he is. He's a, a solid player. Is he a true difference maker? Is he going to run a 4-5-40? No. no. Um, but he's a guy that knows the scheme, plays well in it. Um, but I, I do think he's a little bit athletically challenged at times. And we saw that um, against Michigan State. Um, was it Speedy Noel on, mm-hmm. the, on, the, on the Flea flick, Flicker player? Yeah. They waited for the matchup, and they threw over the top of him when he was in the game. Um and it wasn't like he was out of place, he just got out athleted on the play. He got burned in the spring game too. Kamonte
2: Grimes or whatever got that big touchdown. I mean, so And then in the scrimmage in, the, in
0: their other major scrimmage, he missed some open field tackles that led to huge touchdown runs for Ramir Johnson and Anthony Grant. So they know what he is. He's a guy that can play, but is he really a true difference maker? Um You know, and they would like another difference maker. And that makes you wonder, where's Noel Gates? Where's Mm -hmm. Isaac Gifford? Mm -hmm. Where is some of these other guys? Deshaun Singleton. Uh, Those are the main ones I I bring into the conversation. Kobe Bretts, really, we didn't hear much about him this spring. Um, But is there anyone in that group? And if they think that he could be better than that group, then all of a sudden there's a spot. But my feel today is... I don't know if they're going to have room for a guy like it. That's, mm-hmm. that's just at least my feel right now.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, the fact that they're going to the trouble of bringing him on a visit seems like, you know, maybe they're uh, feeling that they're in a situation where if, if he wants to come here, they'll, they'll make room for him. I mean, I don't know if they would just do this as a formality just to bring in maybe he's a buddy of, of Stephen Wynn. But either way... Um, it was interesting because we we knew they were going to go D-line. We knew they were probably going to look at <clears throat> some tackles, uh, but safety certainly did not seem to be a pressing transfer portal need, but
0: you know maybe opinions changed a little bit uh, over the course of spring. Well, especially when they kind of went um, off the map a little bit to bring in Omar Brown. I mean, mm-hmm. that at least felt like a good move when they brought him in, like, hey, we make room for this guy. But now we're learning, you know, where's he at? You know, he couldn't go through spring. He's got kind of chronic back injuries is he going to be available for this year? So I, I don't know that, but and I don't know if they know that. So Omar Brown's summer will be interesting to track just from people you talk to if he's really going to be a guy that can put himself in the conversation uh, because they kind of took him as a make-room-for guy. It wasn't a need. Mm-hmm. They just said he's too good to make room. Well, now we're learning you know, maybe he's hurt, and we don't really know what he's going to bring. So I think, yeah, you got to be really careful with Kane Williams. you got to really know – um, because you bring him in, I mean, that's going to disrupt some things with the current guys on the roster. I mean, oh, you've already brought in so
2: many guys. Yeah, so, I mean, that that's probably going to cause some attrition, you would think, right? I mean,
0: obviously the portal is – but uh, there's other ways to get to get around the portal. Yeah, there, I mean, there's waivers and other things. But, yeah, like Noel Poligates, you know, you, you wonder where he's at in all this right now. Isaac Gifford's going to be a, a guy that does stuff on yeah, special teams and do stuff. He'll play. but. Yeah, it's Paul Gates. I mean, he's kind of patiently waited for three years. Mm-hmm. Where's he at in the in this in this conversation? His girlfriend, uh, Kiana Le uh, Kiana, left Nebraska in the transfer portal. I got that right. Abby Barber shaking her head <laughs> in the background. Um, so, you know, what's his investment level now moving forward at Nebraska? If he's not in the mix to yeah. be on the field, and and his girlfriend is now moved out of here as well, so we'll see kind of where that goes. Um, the other thing I want to hit on here in opening headlines, Robin the elimination of the scholarship cap, meaning every year you're restricted to 25 initials, plus they added this in this year, plus seven for transfer portal losses, and you could take count back guys. So it was always like the most confusing number. Like how many guys can we take? What's our number? And I I, I think it's smart of the rules committee to say, look, we're done playing this count back game or make this guy walk on for a semester, so he doesn't count on your eighty-five or twenty-five, then you put him on the next semester. I mean, it's silly. Look, just put guys. if you have open scholarships, put guys on scholarships. How much do you
2: think the COVID year impacted all of that? I mean, obviously roster management has never been more difficult when you have an entire class still sticking around and you gotta still try to play within those numbers with essentially five classes of recruits
0: still on your on your roster. The COVID year I think we're going to look back at this and say, wow, it really messed up a it lot really of things. It really it, And it's not just football. I mean, I look at what John Cook's trying to mm-hmm. deal with in volleyball. I mean, he's got players coming back uh, for a seventh year. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I just think all of these things. I mean, Will Honus is coming back for his seventh year to Kansas State. Um, he left Nebraska. You, you know, you, you look at just all the things. I mean, Will Honus, as a junior college player, you know, would have been coming back to Nebraska for his fifth season as a Juco crazy that's nuts man and you you just think about that year and and the trickle down effects it's had and how it's hurt high school kids because the Mm -hmm. portal now competes for those spots Mm -hmm. um and and we're still a good two to three years left of this deal
2: yeah because i mean what what, what's the last class this will apply to so it it went into effect for
0: 2020 right So so yeah the 2020 the 2021 2022 so like yeah, the 2020 guys have to be graduated, mm-hmm. and then then we're done with the COVID year. Mm, crazy. I mean, and that, that's... We're the, a long way off from that. Like, Teddy Prochaska would have been a part of that mm-hmm. group, and... So, like, his his class.
2: Like, that's, that's the and, last... And those last
0: guys group. now are going into their third year, mm-hmm. and they technically all have six years if they redshirted.
2: Man, that's crazy. So, yeah, so it, it makes... That 25-man scholarship limit, getting rid of that, like a no-brainer
0: in this case. I'm trying it? to think here. 2022, three, four, five. So after the 2025 season, we'll be done with it all. Man. As long as there's not another pandemic that yeah. shuts down <laughs> Until, the
2: <laughs> Until the next one. Until well, the next major I, I, national I, re, I respect debacle. what
0: Barry Alvarez did at Wisconsin. And if you remember in spring yeah, of he 2020, he's like, was like, nope. <laughs> Our track seniors and other uh, Olympic sport guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean... We're not going to at least. It.
2: Yeah. If you're going to do a move like that, do it up front. You know, just make it known right away. You know what? This is not something we're going to do. If you want to go somewhere else, so be it. But uh, probably save them a lot of headaches that schools like Nebraska and, and many others are having to deal with trying to balance this. This juggling act with roster management. All
0: right. When we come back, Robin and I are going to talk about NIL and how the NCAA and the athletic directors and the presidents have taken more of a stance Learn more at slash built for us.
1: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the
0: Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland. Nebraska and Northwestern will kick off the 2022 college football season in Aviva Stadium. Robin and I will be there Saturday, August 27th. Um, Still time to go out to Dublin. In fact, one of our uh, longtime moderators on Husker Line, Sean Stevens, uh, just said, yeah, I went on and uh, booked a tour with Anthony Travel um, out in in Dublin, which is that that's who at Huskers to Ireland. um, They are in charge of. These travel packages, you can do a one city, a two city, a three city, a three day, a five day, an eight day. Um, there is the perfect trip still that you can plan. And I, I think, Robin, there are a lot of people excited now um, to go. I think there's obviously a lot of nerve, like after having the game not happen a year ago and things that have happened in the world. Uh, But now a lot of people are still jumping on that and there's still time for you to get on the Huskers to Ireland dot com and plan your trip.
2: Yeah. And I know some people are asking like where the the pregame hangouts are and there's going to be several pubs around. the. We will share all of that. Yes. That will be dedicated as quote unquote Nebraska bars. So there will be no shortage of places to meet and greet. And maybe you might see Sean and I out and about
0: as well. And we do like beer. We do. We do. Can, can confirm that. That report is accurate. And I will be very interested to, to uh, try some new things out there. It's going to be fun. Um, but, Robin, I want to talk more about NIL uh, because a lot has changed, at least on the surface, this week. Um, the NCAA has kind of come down um, on collectives, and essentially, they don't, they don't want the boosters involved in the recruiting process. And, and that's what recruiting has kind of turned into in the last several months, is almost a negotiation process with prospects and collectives, which essentially feature boosters on, on where to go and how to get, uh, get to those schools. And when you're seeing quarterbacks, high value quarterbacks get $2 million to go to school A, um, 800,000 and one school fires back 801,000. Um, you know, things like that I think have really Caught in the attention of everybody, um, Mm -hmm. because look, I think when we we talk about NIL, when this first started, I think everyone had this thought: Oh, it's going to be cool. Guys are going to do radio shows and have burrito commercials, and (laughs) you know, do do you know, fun social media ads. And it's quickly ramped up from you know doing a Tanner's commercial to full blown free agency, making more money than the assistant coaches make. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So I mean, uh, that's kind of what. I don't know why anybody would be surprised with the way the NCAA handled all this. They took a uh, hands-off-the-wheel approach and uh, are all of a sudden trying to uh, scramble to save face now that things have uh, hit the proverbial fan, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's, it kind of is what it is, and it shouldn't be any surprise that it's grown to, to what we're currently seeing with the amount of money being thrown out. I mean, you're talking about, like, multimillion-dollar offers, which is crazy. Like, with, with between basketball and football. And so, you know, at some point, there needs to probably be some sort of regulation. But as far as, like, this retroactive stuff that they're talking about, like punishing teams for or boosters, for violating NIL rules that were not in place when the incidents Good occurred. Luck. Yeah, I mean, like, there is absolutely zero chance anything like that happens. The only thing that they can hope to do is maybe set some future parameters. Um, I don't know what they can do as far as the... NIL market, but they can do things as far as you know, maybe tightening up the transfer portal, um, you know, restricting the windows in which guys can enter the portal to where it's not just year-round. Um, and so maybe that will help slow things down a little bit. But um, they've opened Pandora's box, and I don't see the lid going back on that anytime soon.
0: The big winner though in this is the bagman because now you know they, they were trying to legalize the bagman essentially with how it was being operated. Well, now the bagman's back to being the bagman, mm-hmm. and they're under the radar. Except
2: instead of McDonald's bags, they can just uh,
0: Venmo them the money
2: right away or whatever.
0: Yeah, and I think with you know if you're going to come down on these people that were doing it more transparently, now it's just going to be done under the radar. I mean, to act like this is not going to happen, still, you know, it, it it has happened. Like James Franklin joked, "You know what NIL stands for?" Now it's legal. <laughs>
2: exactly. So, you know, let's not kid ourselves that all of a sudden because of this NIL legislation, suddenly uh, it's all this unprecedented money being thrown around. Like you go back and watch some of the interviews. I think what what's kind of been a, a side uh, effect to all this is, is the guys that <laughs> dealt with this sort of thing back in the day when it was all quote unquote illegal or now feel uh, comfortable talking about their experiences. And so like, you know, like Fred Taylor on Will Compton's podcast and uh, Antonio Cromartie, like I, I saw him on one where – Antonio Camardi told this story where when he was being recruited um you know he ended up at Florida State but he wouldn't say which school it was but he's like I took five official visits so you can take uh, take a guess of who it was they brought him on campus and paid him $60,000 just to come on a visit and not f- to like for the school to try and recruit him but so that he could help the school recruit other players that were also visiting that weekend. So I mean, that's 60 G's back in the 90s. And so Cash. Like, this this stuff has been going on forever. And like James Franklin said, now we it, it's taking everybody aback because we actually get to see it because it's legal.
0: Yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting just to kind of see how it all comes out. I mean, I, I think the way I interpret a lot of the things now is you had collectives maybe talking to recruits during the process i I think that part's going to slow down now i i I don't know if you're going to see collectives you know meeting with recruits like they Mm -hmm. maybe were before um and i I think what you know collectives can happen but now none of those conversations can happen until after they get to campus right
2: and so i mean those are the types of things that they can do you can set some guidelines for how recruit interaction goes and, and how these deals are put into place to where it's not just like complete back channel booster calling up a recruit and saying, I'll buy you for this amount of money. Like there's gotta be a, a system in place for how this is supposed to work to where everybody's operating under the same rules. But again, that's, that's something that has to start now going forward. You can't go back and say you cheated by breaking a rule that we hadn't, we hadn't established yet.
0: What did you see in basketball with NIL? Like, I mean, obviously basketball was known as the biggest cheating Mm -hmm. sport as there was Mm -hmm. because. NBA players were essentially forced to go to college. So the amount of money involved in those things back before NIL was crazy. But then it became kind of legalized.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there's been guys that have made a lot of money. Um, (laughs) You know, there's there's schools that are paying ten thousand bucks just to run a camp and they do like four or five camps over the course of a year. And so, you know, that that's the kind of money getting thrown around. But basketball is a little bit different because there's there's alternate avenues people they can go to overtime elite you know they can go to the g league like so there's different ways guys can make that kind of money without having to strictly go through the college route so it's a little different compared to what we're seeing with football uh but certainly there's big time money getting thrown around you know um reports down in kentucky oscar shibwe uh the de- former defense player of the year last year is making you know upwards of around two million dollars to, to come back so Serious money getting thrown around for the best of the best players um, it is very much a factor in recruiting, just like it is with, bas- or with football. Um, and again, it's, it's nothing new. The stuff has been going on for a long time. But um, just when you, when you see the numbers that are getting publicly thrown around, it, it's still,
0: still a little uh, staggering sometimes. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the scheduling models thrown out there, what the ACC is doing. Uh, we'll share some thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
1: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett here as we work through the month of May. Um, we're really a week or two away from things picking up considerably with players coming to campus. In fact, Oshan Mathis will be here um, a week from Friday. He gets to Lincoln May 20th. Just graduated. Congratulations to Oshan. Uh, Got his degree at TCU. Uh, Nebraska's players, Robin, uh, will have their uh, commencement ceremony as well inside Memorial Stadium, Um, and that will take place on uh, Saturday. Is that? Are they going to have the? I mean, obviously the field, it's covered. It's covered. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember it being covered last year. I don't either. I mean, maybe it's because it's brand new turf. Well, it's brand new turf, but I also think there's so much of the the rubber. The rubber. I mean, you get that in like your shoes. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so it makes sense. A lot of that. I mean, if you put three or four thousand people on the new turf, I'd imagine that would. Yeah,
2: it would seem kind of counterproductive to finally put in this brand new, beautiful turf and then have thousands of people stamp stomping all over it. So I get it. it but, you know, it would been fun to see the, the official
0: public debut of that. I was a December graduate at UNL. Were you were you May or December? May. Or summer? May. I mean, to me, I mean, it's going to be 78, 80 degrees Saturday how awesome will that be, mm-hmm. like, just to have your family in the stadium for that type of deal and then walk down to the rail yard or walk somewhere and have beers and celebrate? I mean, they, I really like what they've done moving that May ceremony in the stadium.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, in spring in Nebraska, you're, you're gambling, doing it outside. The well, PBA is available still. Right, so you can always have a plan B. But, uh, yeah, when it works out the way that it looks like it's going to this weekend,
0: uh, that's going to be pretty pretty awesome experience for all those graduates. Let's talk uh, schedules, Robin. Uh, The ACC came out with kind of their revised schedule, um, and it's basically going to be you'd have three guaranteed conference games and then five rotating conference games, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So
2: there's 14 teams in the ACC. You'd have three annual opponents. So basically your your rivalries and regional matchups, all that sort of stuff. And then – the other 10 remaining teams you would play five of them one year and then the other five the next year and those groups would just alternate so you'd have your three that were on every year and then five and then off on and off for, for every like, other year i kind of like that i do too i think i think it's a great idea just because um i think that the days of divisions uh are gone or are going to be gone very soon because you don't need them anymore and especially in a, in a point now where conferences need their best players to be able to uh, compete for the college football playoff especially if the playoff field eventually gets expanded Uh, that gives you the best possible scenario to where you're not missing out on one of your best teams just because they didn't win their division and having you know some other team that's not nearly as good competing for a conference championship so I I I like it and I I like the fact that they're maintaining rivalries or at least regional matchups uh, that especially in a conference like the Big Ten, that's an important part about all these schedule shakeups. I mean, there's rivalries that go back 100 years, and you want to keep those things going, or at least as many as you can. So that would allow that, while also mixing up your schedules, getting you know, some, some fresh shakeups with that, uh, while also potentially giving the conferences more ability to uh, showcase their better teams uh, in, in a much easier manner.
0: My question is, that, I mean, is it a simple, like would Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Minnesota – like all four that would be the group right there, like for everybody I mean because for Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, there are three games mm-hmm. And I think the same goes for Wisconsin I mean, it does I, I I don't know if there's like another team like Illinois that would want that would claim stake to one of those teams. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah. Uh, as far as like the the big trophy games, those are kind of like who who would Illinois, Illinois would play Northwestern. We know that. Mm-hmm. Like who would be their games? Like Purdue would have Indiana, and we know that. Mm. You know, Michigan State might actually play some of these teams. That's a good question. Maybe uh, like a Purdue. Yeah, I, I I don't. Well, Michigan Michigan State would be one game. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan State, Penn State's another one. The you know that that that's became kind of a game. Um, but yeah, I, I think. A lot of it to me, if they go this route, it's to lighten the load of the East where Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State aren't aren't knocking each other out in the playoffs. Well and
2: also it's you know, it's eight conference games too, so that's another thing to add to that to where, you know, you give yourself another non conference opponent that could give you some, some more national exposure and um, you know, maybe help you to come play off time as well.
0: Well, will they allow, will they force you to play two power five non-conference games? Which would make a lot of sense. Can you force teams though, like to do that? I mean, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's easier said than done. I, Cause there's going to be things that happen. Yeah, It's what, just
2: like it with anything. Conferences are all going to have their own agendas and priorities and What's good for the ACC is going to be different than what's good for the Big Ten and the SEC and, and likewise. So it's to have a uniform scheduling concept, I don't know. I don't know if that's ever going to happen at this point um, with the way it currently stands. Uh, but at least this gives a, a model that you know other teams can look at and say maybe this is something that we can pursue in our
0: own way. And I think if they ever did come up with something with the uh, two Power Five matchups added, I, th- I think the television networks have to play a factor. And, and Oh, yeah. And help marry these games together. Yeah, no doubt.
2: And so, you know, that's what we thought was going to happen, like with this alliance. Remember? The, yeah. The, the issue
0: 10? though is the other leagues would benefit more off it. The Big mm-hmm. Ten doesn't need the ACC and the Pac twelve. Yeah, I know. Like the
2: SEC and the Big Ten, like the television money is not an issue. But Pac twelve needs it. Big twelve needs it. Uh, so that you know, ACC I'm sure needs it. So like that. You know, that's a priority for for other leagues that, you know, means a whole lot more for them
0: than it does for for the the top two big dogs in the power five. All right. When we come back, um, we are going to take your questions in the mailbag. A lot to get to. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
1: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. It's time for the mailbag. And Abby Barmore joining us here in the mailbag. Uh, Abby, what do you got to start us out with this week?
3: If both Nebraska and Oklahoma start 3-0, what are the chances of college game day coming to Lincoln? And by the way,
0: that was a Twitter question we received from somebody, but it was a good question, and we wanted to get it in the mailbag. And I, you know, without looking at the the schedule, I, I think a lot of it depends on a the network that's airing the game. It'd be Fox, and B, well, it could be
2: ABC because the Big Ten slate that weekend is like really bad, and so like that is by far the marquee game in the Big Ten that weekend. So, and so it's going to be
0: the Fox Big Noon Saturday. Now hold your roll because that's what I think what will happen is ESPN and Fox have selections. Mm. And so let, let's just break it down like this. Say there's five selections like of the top picks. Fox always gets number one, and they take Ohio State-Michigan as mm-hmm. the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Then the ABC families get number two. Then Fox gets number three. ESPN-ABC gets four. Fox gets five. So you know three of the top five game selections are Fox. So it becomes a matter of what are the other top Big Ten non-conference games that, that could go against it because yeah I think in a perfect world you would love Nebraska, Oklahoma to be at night on ABC. but if Fox really values um, that game, you know it's really hard to say mm-hmm. So if that stands uh, would would
2: ESPN would that if it if Fox does snatch it up and it is their big noon Saturday game uh, would that deter college game day from hyping it up? Does that does that ever work out where the networks like don't want to pump up the other's game or whatever
0: it is? Well, yeah, it just depends. Like, I'm looking at other uh, okay. Like, Alabama is at Texas. Like that game that same weekend. That's that's September 10th. Okay, and I believe is that the same weekend as Oklahoma? No, that's okay. the no. next week. That's Oklahoma the week is the before. Next week. Okay. It's,
3: it's week three, isn't it? Right. But yeah.
0: You so would you would think like. Fox is going to use a pick on Alabama Texas like if they can now the other game that to me ABC is going to take for their first pick after Michigan um, Ohio I don't know this is actually going to be an interesting one to look at because you have Michigan Ohio State obviously that's always gone number one but how about this game Notre Dame at Ohio State
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's
0: I mean the, well- va- the value of that game is huge and one can make the case that that has as much or more value value than Michigan, Ohio State. So, um, I if that's available at number two, that's going to be the number two pick, right? You'd think.
2: Now, does NBC only has claimed Notre Dame home, home games. games? Yep. So that that doesn't apply there. Yeah. So and then Nebraska, Oklahoma is considered the next one. So, um, and again, this is all. Obviously, predicated on Nebraska being three and zero. If they but lose this game will Western, get
0: this game will get selected. It's not even a contest. This game will get selected early, yeah. so we'll know we'll know right away. But yeah, like I'm doing the pecking order, and if you're really going to slot it, you still got to think Michigan Ohio State's going to go number one. ABC's taking Ohio State, Notre Dame number two, and then that would put this game on Fox as the top Fox pick. Mm-hmm. For number three in Mm -hmm. the the, the picking order, so So that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time (laughs) going through that, guys. Sorry about that, but it is interesting um, because that Notre Dame Ohio State game, as far as a valuable television property, that's as good as it gets.
2: Yeah, and I think the only other game that would even rival Nebraska Oklahoma would be like Penn State Auburn. I mean, that's relatively up there, but Michigan State Penn State
0: Auburn is at. That's in, that's at Auburn. So that won't be it. That's not a Big Ten pick. Yep. And then Michigan State, Washington. That's uh, that's a Pac twelve. Washington. That's a, so that'll, that'll be a pick. night game. That's a Pac twelve pick. Yes. So yeah, we're only talking about Big Ten home games. Big Ten home games, which All are right. the picks in the yeah. deal. So in that case, there's nothing even remotely close to it. So yeah, I mean, there's a chance. I'm actually more intrigued if Fox doesn't take Michigan, Ohio State to take Ohio State, Notre name but. Mm-hmm. I can't see him doing that. No, I can't either. All right, what do you have next, Abby?
3: What do you think about Dylan Raiola's commitment to Ohio State?
0: It's a blow. It's not unexpected. Um, I, I think I just knew after the spring game, It just the spring game visit just didn't move the needle enough. It just didn't happen. Whatever, whatever happened on that weekend, um, it just didn't move the needle. And I think anyway at that point, it was USC. They were pretty – They were kind of out in front. Then Ohio State moved back out after that game. So um, it is what it is. I mean, if Dylan Raiola was going to make a decision like he did in May of 2022, Nebraska never was going to have a chance. Their only chance to me was after the 2022 season. Yeah, I agree. Which would have shown maybe some success and promise. But if you're going to make your decision right now, If you pick Nebraska right now, I think people would be like, what are you doing? Exactly.
2: You're almost doing yourself a disservice just because of all the unknowns regarding the program program that you're intending to join in 2024. So, yeah, I mean – Right now, the word I would use to describe is just unfortunate, and that's a big reason for it, is that just the timing didn't match up. You know, Nebraska's best chance, like Sean said, was for this season to play out, for them to show tangible signs of improvement, to get to a bowl, have some momentum, get some positivity going, and then maybe be a a better sell. But right now, he wanted to get his recruitment done with, or or at least put it on quiet mode for a little bit. And he's going to a program that has produced – one NFL draft pick quarterback after another has some of the best wide receivers in college football at his disposal. And so, I mean, like it's a no-brainer from a football standpoint. Now, you know, 20, 24 is a long way away. And verbal commitments, as we know, are uh, only worth their weight for a little bit. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, as far as the here and now, I would use
0: the word unfortunate for Nebraska. Chew on this, though. In the last 20 years, you can argue Joe Burrow was the best quarterback in college football. You can, I mean, look, look, and you look at what he does in the pros. One mm-hmm. of the best, mm-hmm. Husker Legacy. Yeah. The number one ranked player yeah, yeah. going into 2024, Husker Legacy. So, you know, two of the top quarterbacks, you know, in the last 20 years arguably could have, you know, make the case. At least Nebraska recruited one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and Joe Burrow wanted to come here. That, but sure that's either here nor there. <laughs> Abby, what's next?
3: Okay. On the defensive line, would you rather have a – Daniels, Thomas, Rogers, and Riley all back, or B, Mathis, Drew, and one more rotational defensive tackle?
0: That is a really good question, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we don't really know what Mathis and Drew are going to do, but I think we do know what Riley and Thomas provided, and we know what Daniels provided, and it was inconsistent play. Um, And Rogers was, let's be honest, like, what are we we going on? He couldn't stay healthy. Like Everybody freaks out about Casey Rogers, but
2: he really he's a good player, but a lot of that was just based off potential. I mean, how much did he actually realize that potential while he was here? I mean, he had his moments, but so did all the other guys on that list. So, I mean, it's not like this is a known commodity, like a guy that was going to be a fixture on the defensive line based off, you know, proven results on the field.
0: All right. You're, you're an NFL scout for the Giants. And we're, we're going to put Stefan Wynn in that group with Drew and Mathis versus that other group that we mentioned. Yeah,
2: I think in the chat, that's what I said. If that unknown player is Wynn, then I'm taking that group all day. Yeah, if
0: you're an NFL scout looking at the two groups, the NFL scout's probably going to take the other group.
2: And a lot of that, too, is like you said. I mean, the, the group A is we know what they are, and it hasn't been great. I mean, it's been fine at times, but inconsistent is certainly – uh, a word you can use there where I think the ceiling of Group B, especially with, you know, Mathis and, um, you know, the potential D tackles, like, I, I think that, that there's a much higher ceiling of potential there with that group.
0: All right, time for two more, Abby.
3: Two more, man. Um, looking ahead at week zero against Northwestern and Ireland, is there any matchup advantages in favor of Northwestern that we should be aware of?
0: Um,. I mean, I just think overall athletic ability. I thought that game last year. This is this is advantage for Northwestern,
2: right?
3: Yes, Northwestern's yes. advantage.
2: So, Adva- oh, so what does Northwestern have an advantage
0: over Nebraska? I think schematic unknowns. Um, I think they're going to they're smart. They know what they're doing, and they're going to come out with some things that get Nebraska off balance. Because last year Nebraska played a million miles an hour in that game. It was arguably the best performance that we've seen from a Nebraska offense in a long time. And it was the worst game Pat Fitzgerald has ever coached in his career. So I think they're gonna come out with some wrinkles.
2: Yeah, and you know, I guess uh, the the one thing is we know what uh, a Pat Fitzgerald team is gonna do. They're gonna be disciplined, and they're not gonna make a lot of mistakes. Now, I think that that game last year was certainly an outlier, but more often than not, uh, Northwestern is going to wait for its opponent to screw up, and then they're gonna capitalize. And that has bitten Nebraska (laughs) <laughs> more often than not in these matchups. And so I think, you know, you, I don't know if there's a, a certain position group that you're going to look at as a, as a clear advantage, but I think just overall discipline within the program and guys doing what they're supposed to do clearly favors Northwestern, and at least history suggests that. All right, final question.
3: Well, of course, since it's getting warm out, we have a question about the Traeger. So okay. what is your favorite food besides a meat dish to cook?
0: Yeah you can do a lot on a Traeger. I mean, that's, it's basically a wood fire. We need a whole new section. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally we, I, I used to have, and and you have my old Traeger, Mm -hmm. like the, I, the smaller one. And it was good. I mean, you limited space, but you could get a lot done during COVID March, 2020. I, I went, I kind of went all in and got like, (laughs) like a really nice Traeger. And it has been some of the best two years in my backyard. I can ever think of (laughs) just all the things you can do on it. But, one thing I like to, two things I like to do: corn on the cob. Mm-hmm. Just brush it with olive oil, put salt on it, and you put the corn right on the grate. You know, at like four hundred or three fifty. What I mean, it's not smoking it. You know, you're just wood firing the corn on the cob, and it, it is so good that way. Um, you don't wrap it in foil. Just put it on the grate. Do
3: you have it on the husk?
0: No. Yeah. You can do that though, but mm-hmm. um, unhusked corn, and it 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 just comes right off the the cob, and then. Other thing is potatoes. I like to buy like those small baby potatoes, cut them up, put an onion, put garlic in there, put seasoning on it, olive oil, and just let it cook. And the beauty of potatoes, you can really never overcook them. Yeah, it's hard to screw those up. Like I, I like them crunchy.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, a little burnt crust. I did uh, skal- cheesy scallop potatoes on there. Whee! <laughs> Fantastic. But my favorite non-meat dish to cook on the Traeger is pizza. pizza. Have you ever done pizza on the Traeger? game changer and it doesn't even have to be like homemade pizza either you
0: could throw like a tostinos on the and it
2: just traeger cooks different and it yes it it tastes
0: fantastic do you just highly pump, recommend do you pump yours up on the high setting on a pizza like yeah. f- the 400 yeah. 140 yeah i mean it's what you would normally bake it at which four hundred. Does, does your dad have a traeger or a, sm- a smoker
3: no but he's a big grill guy mm-hmm. his is he charcoal fame or is grass d-
0: or gas Gas. Guess. She's like grass. He, <laughs> no, his grass. big
3: claim to fame is hot wings. Okay, that's Ooh. like his signature. He's a legend for those. Does he make
0: them like watering hole end zone style, like like the crispy charred up wings? Or are they?
3: They're so he like grills them. So you like cook. You cook the chicken most of the way, and then you dip it into the special hot sauce. And then you and put then them back put out. Put them back on Ooh. to dry Ooh. up. They're so good. I'm
0: hungry. All right. Can you come by uh, my house? All right. no. Hey, Abby, thank you very much. That wraps it up here for the mailbag. When we come back, Robin and I will talk some hoops. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
2: Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This is huskeronline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan,
0: Robin Washed here taking you home on this uh, mid-May edition of the show. Almost at 400 shows now, Robin, we've done on this show. It's hard to believe. Absolutely, it started I, in the basement of my house because that's 400 weeks, and that's a, a lot, lot of years. weeks. <laughs> Remember that we making to, me feel old. We had kind of like lower level mic equipment, and
2: yeah, we just sat around like your bar table, your bar table. You know, that was that was a real organic part of it. Now we got all this fancy equipment, office space, but you know, there there was a the time there. The remains and, the
0: same. Yeah, you know what? We, we still keep it real. It took us one week, by the way, to get an affiliate. Uh, John Gaskins, our former colleague was at 93.7 the ticket he goes hey can we air your show and uh, we're blessed. we have a lot of affiliates and we're heard weekly in Kearney and Grand Island and Hastings area on the ESPN radio stations uh, we're heard on Fremont on KHUB um, we're still heard on the ticket our original affiliate in Lincoln and then um, during the football seasons we're on News Radio 1110 KFAB so um, who I do work with all year round as well so we have a lot of reach not only on our digital downloads, which are great every week, but we're heard on a lot of affiliates. Uh, and I hear from a lot of those people when I go around the state. Uh, but Robin, I wanna talk basketball with you as we close it up. Um, where are things at? I mean, just kind of the big picture, recruiting, roster numbers, management. Uh, where are things at today for Nebraska?
2: Well, uh, we are almost uh, you know halfway through May here, and uh, we still have not had an official announcement Yet on Latman and Trey McGowan's, but again, that's basically a formality at this point, as I don't expect either to be back. They've already got Lat's replacement, Juwan Gary, and the search continues for Trey's replacement for, you know, that, that other guard and ideally a go-to scoring guard. And the bad news is um, Nebraska's missed on their top two targets. Um, Antonio Reeves, who was on campus uh, for the spring game on an official visit ended up going to kentucky um after leaving lincoln without committing uh you know that was kind of a sign that you know things might uh unravel there and they did uh when kentucky got involved and then um baylor shireman you know when he officially entered the portal nebraska went all in on him they put a lot of eggs in that basket and kind of put the full court press on him and got into his final you know four schools or so and um you know that They they had a a chance, but, you know, in the end, he went with the school that um, after Kentucky and Kansas and those kind of got out of the mix, it looked like Creighton was the clear favorite. That's where it ended up. So as a result, Nebraska's left, uh, you know, looking still to fill that spot. And I guess, you know, so all that's the bad news. The good news is there's still some good players out there in the portal that Nebraska's involved with. Um, this past Friday, um, in our tunnel talk, I reported a handful of names that um, have been linked to Nebraska that um, I've heard um, should be you keep a name on or uh, keep an eye on them. Uh, you know, the first one is uh, Amoja Gibson. Um, they call him Mo Gibson. Uh, guard from Oklahoma, senior, uh, led the Sooners in scoring last year, just over 13 points per game he might be a bit of a long shot Um, he's already visited texas a&m florida state and florida is very heavily involved there so nebraska might might be a little too late on that one we'll see Um, the other one is kerwin walton uh, north carolina transfer originally from minnesota nebraska recruited him coming out of high school and fred hoiberg uh, was very active in that recruitment uh you know so there's a relationship there uh but again it it's, it's hard to kind of get a read on where exactly that all stands. I know Creighton is also involved with him um, and, you know, Minnesota, his home state school are, is also a factor there. So, you know, it's, it's hard to get a good read on that. The one maybe to keep an eye on at least as of now is a guy by the name of Emmanuel Bandemel. And I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that way, right? It's a, it's a French name. He's from Quebec. So uh, he's a senior guard from SMU who uh had 68 starts over the last few years the last 3 seasons at SMU 64 180 average you know 10.6 points almost four rebounds almost two assists per game uh you know shot 35% from three point range so you know a solid addition but you know his experience and it seems like he was a really well-liked guy within that program so kind of fits the mold of um, the culture that Hoyberg and and the staff are trying to build now with the guys they've been bringing in so of those three, he, right now, seems to be maybe the most likely option of those. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of what plays out here over the next couple weeks. Uh, I know mill's n- name was in the draft. He didn't go to the Combine or the G League camp. Uh, he still has till June 1st to pull his name out of that. Uh, so, you know, it's there's still some time yet to let this stuff shake out but you would imagine by the end of the month we'll have a pretty good idea if not an answer uh to who will fill that final spot on nebraska's roster
0: and bryce mcgowns officially
2: got the combine invite what does that mean robin well if you don't get a combine invite your odds of getting drafted are almost zero to none uh there's i think 76 total players that got invitations and you know again there's (laughs) <laughs> There's less than 70 picks in the draft. So um, that in itself shows you that he's among the groups of the the top realistic draft prospects. And uh, I've just kind of said all along, especially when you know he made it clear that he was entering the draft and going head first into that with no thoughts of returning to Nebraska, was when he did that, you know, he was kind of considered a fringe back end of the first round type player um you know some people had him mocked like midway through the second uh and, you know you're kind of wondering you know was that the right move i see this combine opportunity as being where bryce really shines and bolsters that stock back up in a big way just because for one they're going to see him in an nba style uh of play to where there's the the spacing um you know and it's going to be different than what his film looked like in the Big Ten, which is a completely different style of play uh, than, than what the NBA has. So I think that's going to be more suited to his strengths. And then more importantly, when GMs and you know NBA personnel get to sit down with him and talk with him and they see who he is as a person, uh, I have zero doubt they're going to be blown away uh, with his character and, and just his personality. So it would not surprise me if by the end of the combine that Bryce doesn't get uh, – work his way back into the conversation of almost being a consensus first-round pick. Now, still maybe in the back end of that first round, but first round nonetheless. Uh, So I I think this is a very big week for him, and not unexpected that he got the invite, but uh, he officially took that next step, and he's got a a very important few days in Chicago coming up.
0: Last first-round pick at Nebraska was? I believe Tyron Liu. Tyron, okay. I wasn't sure if he was first or second round. He was first. He was the very end of the first. And Vincent Hamilton and... Mikey Moore and those guys, I don't think they were drafted. And know, I mean, obviously guys that all played in the pros. But, yeah, it it is historical. I mean, if they can get a first-round pick, because it hasn't happened here in a long time.
2: But, oddly enough, you know, now they're going to have a chance, or I, a very good chance, of having three players taken in the last four years, including two straight uh, with Delano Banton. So, yeah, uh, Teron Liu in 1998, officially he was drafted 23rd overall. So, uh, I was finishing up my go. junior year of high school at that point. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. <laughs> It's been a while, and uh, for for reference, Isaiah Roby was the forty fifth pick in the second round, and Delano Bant was the forty sixth pick. Still, Vincent, Vincent Hamilton was fiftieth. in Still 1999. mad about
0: that team losing to Arkansas in the NCAA uh, You and tournament. a lot of people. I mean,
2: <laughs> you and a lot of people are that. That was a a difficult. It was not pill Eric Musselman's.
0: Swallow. Well, it was Arkansas. They're still a good program, a great yeah, program, but, but yeah. that was one of Nebraska's best teams. <sighs> All right, well, not ending on a sour note, but make sure you log on to huscarline.com. Um, lots of visitors coming in this weekend. Uh, We'll have coverage of that as well as anything that pops with baseball. Uh, It's HuskerOnline.com. Make sure you find us on anywhere you can download podcasts. Check out our YouTube channel as well. Just type in Husker Online.
1: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.